Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Ahrefs and Burrow. I'm Simone Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. How y'all doing? Not great, I guess. I've I've felt better. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry, Bree. <laughs> no, so it's Bree fine. was out last week because of voice loss, probably due to shaking Strep so throat. many darn hands. Yep, exactly. And Christina, you are now in Georgia. I am. I am in. I am in the ATL. Uh, except no one here calls it that. So I'm in Atlanta. Uh, do you have Shipley's Donuts in Atlanta? We do not. You've asked <gasps> me this before. I oh, wish God. that we did, but we do not. I would love to have you overnight me some Shipley's donuts. I, if if I, I if I did have them, I would totally do that. Um, okay. I have. We do have Dunkin' though, which I know yeah, everybody's we've like got at it home. in Boston. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, and, and it's all over Boston, it's all over New York. Here's the thing: there's no Dunkin' Donuts in the state of Washington, but you have Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Yeah, but but even then, there's not a lot of Krispy Kreme. Fair. So, that's true, and that's a crime, which needs it, to change. Agreed, right? But like the thing is, is like when you go from being able to get a Dunkin' Donut like literally every day of your life to having but more limited selection of donuts, why would you not? Because they're they're not that great. Uh, no, they're not. But like, it's nice that you know it's there. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's not so much about having the donut every day, but about feeling that you could if you wanted to. Totally, totally. I mean, and it's a similar thing. So I, I'm. Um, not quite in trash food paradise, but I'm close. <laughs> so I've already had Pizza Hut, which, again, yeah. I realize is not important. But in both New York City and Seattle, it's not really a thing. And I've had Chick-fil-A and I've had Waffle House. So, oh, yeah. so oh far, I'm God. doing real well. Is there McAllister's there? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show because we've got some I want to move a lot. I, I want to move a lot. You've got to go. Bree, you want to run for office in the South? Go run for office in the South. I, I, I live in she Boston. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I moved for a reason. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. First, we're gonna, we got a lot of heavy topics today. We're going to be talking about the Microsoft Series X console, the Xbox Series X, and uh, the ongoing Bowen 737 situation, uh, which has had some updates recently, uh, and exciting news about Amazon's ring cameras. Um, so I will be <laughs> just revving my engine to rip into Amazon. Uh, for Exciting is such a great way to put that, I Simone. Say, I love this your is the story attitude. Simone's been waiting for. This is the peak <laughs> Simone story. Like if Theranos is like my like ideal Anything related to Amazon scams and scandals is, is Simone's. Anytime like, Amazon just... messes up, my power grows. Although, no, I will never be as powerful as Amazon. Uh, and they will continue to own our culture. So, you know, and our country. Whatever. It's fine. Wow. Let's talk about the Xbox Series X, which was announced last week at the Game Awards. Yeah. Shall we? So, yeah. during the Game Awards, Microsoft revealed the form and the name of what has until now been called Project Scarlet, aka the Xbox 2, aka the Xbox that comes after the Xbox 1, aka next next gen. <laughs> so what they revealed is this rectangular uh, refrigerator like enormous black box which can be vertical or horizontal which will reportedly offer 4K 60 fps performance. It's got Zen 2 and RDNA architecture from AMD. I will have ray tracing, which is like the holy grail of what games will look like in the future. Um, GDDR6 memory. And I don't know how to pronounce this one. NVMe solid state storage. So basically, it's a big honking beast that has a lot, I think, more in common with a PC than with the first iteration of the Xbox One. They're saying it'll have, yeah. and these, what I'm about to say, I'm going to put big air quotes around because these aren't actual numbers or anything. Twice as much GPU power as the Xbox One and four times more CPU performance. Again, big air quotes because those are just words. <laughs> so, wow, this is a big old, like I said, a big old honking machine. I love the design. 
Yeah, I do I actually too. do too. This has been kind of controversial. Not controversial in like any meaningful sense on Twitter, but people are making fun of it as they do because it does look like a refrigerator. And somebody did Photoshop a uh, refrigerator black and put a PlayStation logo on it and said Sony reveals the design for the PlayStation 5. Um, and then International Business Times picked it up and they ran fell it for the it. They did. Oh, it was so God. beautiful. It was so beautiful. I, I was. Oh, that was great. That was amazing. Oh, you're not respected. Um, there's a lot to like here. Um, you know, the 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 fact that there's a solid state drive inside of it, it means Huge. that the whole machine is going to be faster. Load times are going to be less. As far as uh, what ray tracing is going to look like and how it's going to handle dynamically in games, uh, you know, the reason we generally don't have that is because it's so computationally expensive. So mm-hmm. if you're throwing that in, you know, uh, like a game of Call of Duty, uh, that's, that's a lot of horror power you're yep. asking for so we need to see how these games shake out you know wait for wait for ours to take it down you know we we need more details but the things i like here is uh the thermal throughput seems to be very very strong uh, a lot of the failure of the xbox 360 was because it had poor uh thermal venting in it this doesn't seem to be the case here and uh this looks like a a, a fantastic uh console overall yeah Christina, um, I know that you work for Microsoft, so everything you say, I'll take with a huge grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But do you I, have I any in, initial reactions? Well, I mean, okay, first of all, I work at Microsoft, but I had no idea this was coming. Like, I was as shocked as anyone else. So I work, like, I couldn't be further away in terms of divisions. So I genuinely don't know anything. But um, like I said before, I think the design is awesome. And I know that there's been some controversy. Some people are like, oh, it just looks like a PC tower or whatever. Yeah, kind of. And I'm kind of into it. Um, I, I really like it. And you're not wrong when you say that it seems more like a PC than some of the other consoles have been at least the, you know, the last Xbox, the, the Xbox one, um, the first one, Microsoft really was leaning into the, uh, I guess like the, the media center and kind of like, like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. home, you know, streaming thing. And it didn't work. And I know why they did that because at that point, the Xbox 360, especially when it got down to like the $200 price point, I don't remember the stats, but I remember talking with executives at like large streaming services and it was one of the most used, you know, set-top boxes for watching content, online content or video content period on your TV. Like it was, you know, uh, I think it was about, it was really break-even with, you know, like the Apple TV. And this is obviously before Chromecast. This is before, you know, um, really cheap, you know, Roku's and things like that. And so it was a way that kind of like the PlayStation 2 brought DVD players to everybody's living room. The Xbox 360, because it was such a big hit, really was a huge living room kind of, you know, media center. And so they really leaned in on that with the Xbox One. And then um, people freaked out. And I, I my personal opinion is I think that the Xbox team overcorrected. You know, they got rid of Connect. They got rid of some of those media center features. They got yeah. rid of, you know, the ability to, to share, you know, uh, digital games and stuff because people freaked out about things being always on, which now, you know, today, five years later, six years later, like nobody would blink. But uh, then yeah. everybody was Jeez. freaking out. <laughs> and um, so what I like about this is I think that this is going in the right direction. Like, I don't see anything here so far that's making me think, oh, this is this has been miscalculated. And I don't think that going in the direction of being more PC-like is in any way a bad thing because – I think that especially when you look at your first gen, like, you know, the new console, uh, you know, system, a lot of you have, you do have a lot of crossover audience of, at this point, I think of the people who will buy that as well as people who buy, you know, gaming PCs. And so leaning into that and saying, okay, we're going to be using, you know, an NVMe, which is not just an SSD, but a really fast SSD. So it's like the types of SSDs that are on MacBooks. Um, and so, you know, really fast solid state drive and and lots of horsepower and, and ray tracing and, and GPUs and, you know, looking like really heavy, you know, CPUs and good ventilation. It's like, yeah, you know, for a lot of people, uh, and I count myself in here who want to play games, want good graphics, but don't want to spend, you know, more than two grand configuring a PC, this looks pretty appealing. Uh, and so I, 
I mm-hmm. personally think that it has, I think this is looking like this is going in the right direction of what gamers want. And I mean, a lot of this is going to depend on how easy is it to, you know, um, uh, program for and create games for. But with Game Pass, you know, which works on PC and on Xbox, I think that brings even more kind of, uh, you know, the fact that you can stream from an Xbox to Windows 10, you know, um, and I'm sure that's that's only going to get better with whatever, you know, this, the, the Series X is. If that line does get blurred, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I, 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 I do think as long as we're talking strategy, though, Microsoft has a really big problem right now. What are the exclusives that make yeah. you go very, very pick fair. up an Xbox instead of a Sony PlayStation? And uh, you know, when we when we really reflect on you know the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. I I really think this has been a very very barren generation for for Microsoft. Uh, I agree. I'm a huge I'm a huge Gears of War fan. I don't think Gears of War or Gears of War Five uh, really permeated into the mainstream. I'm probably the biggest Forza fan on the entire planet. The last Forza Horizon just flat out sucked. Uh, the only idea they had there was to make the seasons change as you were racing. <laughs> and then they're introducing DLC where, oh, you're on a Hot Wheels track, which is just stupid. That's the opposite um, of Forza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it, so, you know, when uh, yeah, Death Stranding, I, I eventually deleted it just because it's, it's not a game of... I, I came to the conclusion it was not worth my time, but it was a interesting property that got a lot of attention and it sold pretty well. And I just, I think that, you know, Microsoft can have excellent hardware here and they do, but until they have a better strategy for going out and, uh, you know, developing new IPs and giving people a reason to come to their platform, I just, I think, I, I think PlayStation 5 is probably going to have the momentum at this moment. What do you think, Simone? I'm super biased here because I, I have enjoyed PlayStation's exclusives library more in the past, but I think where Xbox could have an advantage is just that strong relationship between Xbox and PC games, because that's just, that's already built into Microsoft as a company. Um, And I think that the price of this is going to, to be very, it's going to be very interesting to see where it lands because I'm sure that there must be space in the market for people who are very interested in playing high performance games, but don't want to be continually updating their PCs and doing work to figure out, oh, if I upgrade, if I upgrade my graphics card, do I need a new motherboard for that? Like what's going to happen if I put these components together? Will this machine just decide to die on me um there's just a huge attraction in being able to play games that look as good as the developers intended but not having to (laughs) do extra work to make your machine function um so if this is like price comparable or even a little more than the current xboxes um or than the original xbox one was when it came out i could see i could see that working certainly and i think that people Mm. provided the that the games that people would play on PC that they do like save for that, that situation when you can have the best graphics possible provided that those games are available on this console um, and look comparable, maybe a little worse, but comparable. Um, I think it could, I think it could be successful. I hope the, the UI is better this time around. Oh my I God. Think if the, the UI the, isn't better, yeah. I'm yeah, going to kick it out a window. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's the thing oh, that's going to make it. It's I, terrible. I would put it in oh. the street. I'm sorry. I hate. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, I have it going through my TV. I was trying to watch the debate the other day and I'm like, where do I go to like turn on my TV through my Xbox? And it's some weird app I've never even heard of. I mean, it's yeah, just and, ridiculous. And they updated and like, yeah, I'm on some of the insider builds, so I see different things, but I don't disagree. Although, I will be fair, I don't think the PS4's UI is that great either. It's just, it's it's more functional because, you know, like, it it like you're, it doesn't, it's not trying to do as many things, so I guess it's more functional. But, um, you know, like, I, I would never want to watch any sort of video on my PS4. I've never really done that, where I've, like, never wanted to watch, like, Netflix or whatever. Uh, that I don't really have as a bunch of an issue with on my Xbox, but I don't disagree. 
Um, to, to your point about exclusives, I think you're dead on. I mean, like, uh, listeners, uh, uh, frequent listeners will know last year, last Thanksgiving, I finally relented and bought a PS4 um, Slim because it there was a good, a really good Black Friday deal with um, Spider-Man. And I'd waited years to finally get a PlayStation 4. And then I was mad at myself for having waited that long and have played so many games on it. And there were so many good exclusives. So you're not wrong, I think, in terms of the IP. That said, you know, Microsoft has made a lot of uh, acquisitions. Xbox has made a lot of acquisitions of studios and 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 game companies. And so there are some possibilities there. Um, uh, I I think uh, I think what Simone said and kind of what I'm thinking too, especially with like Game Pass, if it can have the games people want to play, and if there's like a good synergy between you know you're thinking like okay I get this on PC and I can you know kind of seamlessly interop you know or get an Xbox and I can kind of seamlessly interop with you know my my, my PC you know uh, system or you know if I get the Game Pass and I can play the game on on either platform, there's a lot of value there that might mm. not drive people to, you know, the console the same way that a really good exclusive would, but would at least be compelling and maybe give some time for hopefully some good exclusive games to be developed. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, you know, Final Fantasy, that's showing up on as a PlayStation exclusive, you know, the Final Fantasy VII remake. So I don't know. It feels like if shooters are more of your 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 preferred genre, Xbox is kind of more your thing. If you like story-based content, Sony tends to do a better job on that. So, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for everyone in this market. That's the great thing about the game industry growing so much. Yeah. But I think Microsoft's got some, uh, they got some catching up. Well, this well, they generation. do. <laughs> they definitely do. I mean, the one thing I would say, though, is that these things tend to be kind of cyclical and like you yeah. can't ever guarantee that your past you, your past generation success won't predict the next ones. For instance, yeah. PS3 was way behind Xbox 360 yeah. on like every level yeah. and and PS4, you know, ran away with it. Um, and, you know, Wii U wasn't even a thing. Nintendo hadn't really been in the game for a long time. And now, you know, Switch is even though you know it doesn't have the graphical pow- prowess is is a real contender so yeah. totally on the yeah. basis of exclusives come to that it completely uh brie i want to just briefly touch on a comment that you made in our uh, chat uh you said the name is terrible it's the oh, wii yeah. U all over again <laughs> can you extrapolate please yeah so, and, i wouldn't go that far i go should on, i should uh well my comment in the chat was uh when this was announced at the game awards they said this is the microsoft series x as if that was the name xbox has, has come out in the time since and said you know this is we're it's just called the xbox but it just feels to me like it's it's very confusing uh i worked at a GameStop uh for uh I think it was about a year. And uh, one of the things I learned is it's hard to underestimate just how little the public understands about yes. game <laughs> game consoles. And I worry they're going to be coming in there and they're like, I want the Xbox. Well, do you want the Xbox One or the Xbox Series X? Or the and Xbox just One very X, confusing. you know? Like, right. like, yeah. Do you want the so One X or do you bad. want the Sex? Like, I'm going to yeah. take the letter X away from hardware makers. You can't have it anymore. We have to let it rest. It's been working so hard for so many years. We have X and to ten stop. both, right? Whether you pronounce it X or ten, right? You know, actually, you know that is interesting. I, I would say the X in Pro Max still counts as an X. I think the X in ten also counts as an X because of both the misunderstandings yep. and the, the 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 form the form factor. Of the letter. Mm-hmm. Hey now, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. The holiday shopping season is upon us. I'm going to be looking for some deals. And when I'm shopping online, there's little worse than a shopping cart fail, which I actually had today, you guys. I won't say where it was, but I was really stressed because I was trying to buy sheets for my mom. And the like website booted me out and I was like, what's happening? I don't understand. Oh, but no. then I got a receipt in my email anyway, which is... A, a good, I guess, because I might have like spent two hundred dollars on sheets a second time, and that would have sucked. Wow! Don't let it happen to you. Pingdom will let you know the moment your website messes up in whatever way is best for you. <laughs> Use transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout forms and login pages fail, all of which were involved in my transaction today. 
<laughs> do that before they affect your customers and your business. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Again, thank you so much to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Well, 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 let's move on to a large topic. So this is kind of a non-traditional tech topic, but we decided it did fit under the umbrella of our show. It is, of course, the failure and ongoing investigation into Boeing's 737 um, MAX airplanes, uh, which had two disastrous crashes and the FAA has been investigating them and Boeing announced recently that they are actually finally shutting down production of the 737. Suspending. Suspending suspending production of the 737 while the FAA continues to investigate. Um, They had, of course, initially kept producing the planes during the investigation, I think hoping that it would end. Um, So the story is now one of a company that initially had tried to cut costs on their planes, which resulted in hundreds of deaths and is now potentially, we're we're waiting to see, maybe potentially going to have to support suppliers who had hired workers who were producing 52 planes a month, who are now no longer producing 52 planes a month while the investigation continues. All because of a software bug. Yeah, um, and it's a little more than just kind of a software bug. So just to, I don't want to get into too much of the of the background because there's a lot to go into and we'll have links. But the, the 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 long and the short of it is is that the 737, and I'm not a huge like air person, but because I've been flying so much, I've been learning a lot about planes. The 737 is uh, the most popular aircraft in the world, and it's it's been around for a really long time, and there have been a lot of revisions of it over the years. And it's been a, a huge moneymaker for Boeing. And Boeing's big competitor, Airbus, has been working on like an A, the A320 or A321neo, um, which would basically be updating kind of their equivalent of the 737, but giving it kind of, um, you know, more modern updates, making it more fuel efficient. And so Boeing needed something that they could compete um, with that. And because they they there were some of their big, you know, clients, some of the big airlines are like, oh, well, we'll order Boeing's. And they're like, no, 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 no. Or not Boeing's, we'll order Airbus. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to come out with something. So they made modifications in theory to the 737, called it the 737 MAX. But in practice, there were a lot of fundamental differences between the 737 MAX and older 737s, um, both in terms of the cabin structure and the way that the engines worked. And in terms of, as we know now, like in terms of like the, the, the autopilot and the flight system. So when they made these changes, though, they were able to convince the, the FAA, they were like, hey, we don't won't have to recertify pilots on flying these things completely. They'll just have to go through an update because we're still considering this part of the 737 family. And that would also cut down costs in terms of getting people uh, certified and, and being able to, you know, hopefully push these planes out. So like, like Southwest Airlines, for instance, only flies 737s. And they had already placed a bunch of orders for the 737 MAX. Um, and those are all grounded now. Um, American Airlines had, had placed orders as well. Uh, I think United had, a, United also did, Delta oh um, did not. And so some of the had already been delivered and have now been, you know, for the last, I guess, at this point, more than six months have been grounded. Um, And so that's actually cut into, you know, uh, flight schedules and all kinds of other things. But um, what they they realized was that there were some fundamental differences in how you fly this plane. And so there were a couple of different problems. One was in the training uh, section and and the way that, you know, uh, pilots were kind of you know, learning to take on the controls. There were some very different things about how the MAX worked versus the 737. And it's not clear. And there's been a lot of reporting from from pilots and kind of insiders saying the training and, and, and the simulations weren't um, good enough and, and weren't uh, giving enough details about what needed to be done. In addition to that, there were some software issues where the the um, you know uh, built-in systems could take over, could override the manual controls um, in certain situations, and that's what led to um, some of these uh, to, to these crashes. At least one of them, the the pilots were trying to override 
this system. We're trying to, um, you know, solve things themselves. We're not able to, and the flight crashed. And that same plane, I think uh, two or three days earlier, the pilots had successfully been able to override the system and, and were able mm-hmm. to, to, you know, land successfully and were able to keep the, the, the plane, you know, in the air. Um, but uh, the other crew was not. And so there have been, like, Boeing is, has been kind of going through this back and forth where they're saying, okay, we there it's not an engineering problem. We don't have to, you know, uh get rid of the plane itself because that would be a massively expensive endeavor. Uh we just need to update the software. But as the investigation has gone on, Ugh. it's been proven that there's been a lot more issues with the software. The investigation is ongoing. And what I thought was interesting, you know, there was a there was a report from some um that, that came out in June where you know, Boeing to try to save costs because they were just wanting to get this thing out as quickly as possible, outsourced a lot of the software engineering from, you know, their engineers in um, in Seattle to, you know, $9 an hour contractors in India. And I don't want to disparage the people who are doing the work in India because it's not as if I'm saying they're bad engineers, but they don't know the same practices. They don't have the same review standards. It's a different sort of thing. And so the the engineers who've been working on these systems for a really long time are like, this is costing us more time, more effort. We're not able to get ahead. But this is because Boeing's wanting to save as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's interesting to me, especially now that they've announced that they are suspending production, um, is... You have a case here where both it seems like the FAA turned a blind eye in a lot of ways and really kind of let things fall through the cracks. And you have, uh, you know, the the you know the airliner who um, really just didn't, uh, you know, really seem to kind of cut corners to try to save costs. And this is a highly regulated industry. And yeah. you have planes falling from the ground. And what I yeah. wanted to hear from both of you, and I guess kind of pose to listeners of the show, um, understanding that I've just kind of given a, a really, you know, broad overview of, of this situation is... You know, air tra- airline, you know, like air travel is probably the most regulated, one of the most regulated industries that we have. And in terms of safety and all kinds of other things, and it can vary, obviously, jurisdiction and country to country, but it's very highly regulated. Um, there, there's lots of safety procedures in place. There are um, all kinds of rules and regulations, um, all kinds of, you know, laws about how things are going on. Um, if we can have this type of failure because of greed and because of, you know, wanting to get stock prices up or wanting to, you know, outrun competitors in air travel, it makes me think, what does that say about self-driving cars and yeah. in less regulated transportation industries that could potentially be beset by the same technical problems? I, I think you're dead on, Christina. And a lot of the discussion that I think has gone on around this is uh, we're we're really reaching a point where people are asking, uh, you know, technology is moving so quickly. People want to get the products out. Can we? Can regulators keep up with technology enough to provide oversight? Because this is a an instance where this failed. Uh, the New York Times had a fantastic story, really documenting every second of why the original crash happened. And it is true that it was kind of a perfect storm of. You know, two pilots kind of lacking a, a certain skill among many skills that aviators have and the system going wrong. What I think is really imperative here is we do need very strong oversight with this. The The whistleblower is the person my heart absolutely breaks for because he he put it out there in writing, talking about how this is not safe. I don't think it's safe. And when you when you read about the actions he took to to try to stop this, you can tell he feels responsible personally for every one of those deaths. And I think you're so right on when you say we have, you know, Canada is very aggressive in self-driving technology. Tesla is. You know, Apple was looking at this space a while ago. So was um, um, Uber. So I I really, really fundamentally worry that with Washington as broken as it is right now, can we really have a kind of regulatory reform that lets American companies be nimble and bring new pro- products to market, but with code auditing, with oversight, can we do it in a way that that's safe for the public? Yeah, it seems like a situation where every system has failed on every level, that Boeing was short-sighted enough to launch a product that wasn't safe to save money in the short term. And in fact, part of this was that they had made deals with 
companies in India that, oh, they're going, Boeing is going to manufacture aircraft for the Indian military and commercial aircraft. And in return, uh, so India will buy those jets. And in return, Boeing will hire workers who they will pay. And so it's this whole big economic deal that clearly, you know, goes beyond just one company saying, why don't we shave a few corners off this production line? Um, as you said, Bree, I don't necessarily at this point trust our own government to provide oversight over what American companies are doing. I don't think that we have a strong enough government to do that right now. Um, and I, in return, the entire system that, you know, the the system of stocks that Boeing depends upon just encourages in the short term is because it's always in the short term uh, disasters like this to happen. So I, as you said, I think Christina's spot on when when we when we extrapolate to what will happen with self driving cars. Uh, there are certain companies that I to take the necessary precautions. Um, but that really doesn't matter when we're talking about a vehicle that will be out on the streets where people are walking or riding bicycles or driving in other cars. And I think we could also make a link between this yeah. story and the next story that we're going to talk about, because it is, again, another case of a company putting a product out and deciding that the safety precautions should be handled by someone else. Because Boeing was saying right. initially when these crashes happened, it must be Indonesian and Ethiopian pilots that are completely to blame. And then, of course, later in the hearings, they did have some pilots blaming these other pilots who died for um, the crashes. But other pilots saying, you know, a pilot isn't a pilot's job is not to be a safeguard when the plane fails. The plane shouldn't fail. Uh, it's a pilot should rarely, if ever, have to be in an emergency situation. And then they should be able to respond to the emergency situation well. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the plane shouldn't nosedive into the earth. Right. And and in this case, you know, I think I, what, what, what kind of bothers me, I guess, and I don't want to like become like a, I, I'm not trying to be chicken little or whatever, but what does concern me with things like self-driving cars is that like, so far, self-driving car regulation has been like not even not even anything comparable to what the FAA does, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the yeah. FAA turned a blind eye in a lot of cases. Like they basically almost rubber stamped the certification. There are all kinds of reports. I, I you know, it, too long to get into the details, but we'll have links in the show notes for anybody who wants to to go on a deep dive in this topic because it's really interesting. Where they really kind of you know were able to kind of shepherd along the the certification of. Um, this plane without, in my opinion, doing the due diligence, at least from what the evidence has shown so far, without doing the due diligence that they would do with any other aircraft. And, you know, whether that came from, you know, some sort of, you know, bias towards, you know, wanting to protect, you know, the the American, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, airplane manufacturer or or what. Um, and, and so, like, to me, that's really concerning. You're like, OK, the FAA dropped the ball here in a lot of ways as much mm -hmm. as Boeing did. And this is. Uh, an organization that, for better or worse, tends to be pretty on top of it. And it's not as if they don't have people who are working there who are experts and who can understand these things. But what does that say when we then talk about something like self-driving cars, where, you know, it where plenty of companies just do road tests with that, with getting minimal approval by certain local jurisdictions, right? Like we don't even have national standards for what those things are, which is why testing happens in different places, right? Like, you know, Uber and Carnegie Mellon were doing things in, in uh, Pittsburgh uh, because, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, municipalities were like, you're allowed, you know, Google got permission to do theirs. And in, in certain parts of Northern California, there are other companies who just flat out will just test it, you know, without having anything. So like, what does that say when you are looking at like, just to, there could be other industries too, but I think about self-driving cars a lot because in the United States, we have so much surface area of highways and we have so mm -hmm. many, and it's controlled by so many different groups. And I'm really concerned that things would slip through the cracks to say nothing more of, okay, well, what are the regulations and what are the situations going to be like in other countries as well? Um, if it, if I could be very, just a yeah. little bit of a... I, I, can I give you a ray of hope, Christina? Yes. <laughs> one, one of the beautiful things about running for office is I you really get to understand just how much local 
I don't want to say bureaucracy because that's that's like a negative, but there are so many state systems, at least here in Massachusetts, that when it comes to self-driving cars or you know, changes to the healthcare system or you know, there's there's so much oversight on a state level, and there are aggressive state regulations. If you remember uh, from Mike Isaac's book, Super Pumped, it starts with uh, basically them trying to override uh, state governments because they didn't like the answers they were given. Right. So, but, and- but, to, but, but, but to that point, they were successful. Like they created that black ball system. They were, they were successful. They were, That's and not true. only that, but, but, you know, they were, Uber, I think is a great example of that because they the one market that they never tried to be in unregulated was New York City because they mm. knew that the Taxi Limousine Commission would not be playing that. They knew that there was no way they could ever enter that market without being regulated. But in every other market, and to this day, this is still the case in most places. It's certainly the place, the case in Atlanta, it's the pl- case in a lot of places. They the regulations for Uber are different than they are for a black car, and and that's still the case. So I I agree, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I know that those systems are are sensibly there. I guess my fear is there are so many of them, and that has historically not proven to actually protect anything. And in this case, like to me, I'm a little more concerned about the self driving car tech than I am about you know like. Um, a, a random person deciding to, you know, use his, uh, you know, like uh, Prius to to drive someone to the airport. Like to me, right. like the, the the stakes are a lot higher. And that's completely fair. Yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, it, what's broken at the very bottom of this is capitalism, which encourages companies to pursue growth above reckless growth above everything else. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, I have to agree. And to be clear, I, I totally of course, agree. self-driving car companies can and should should road test their cars. That is a that is something that should happen. But yeah, the question of how how that can be done safely when when the software itself might not be secure. Ugh. I mean, I uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, Christy, your point is very well taken because. You're right. Like the entire reason we have a federal government is because states can't regulate this thing one by one. They divide us and then they pick it. Yeah, you know, they pick off states one by one and push it through. There's there's definitely a, a need for better technological leadership in Washington. I do have to say though, this is a a there is evidence that the FAA is is doing oversight here. I mean, they, they're not producing planes. There are workers uh, that are not making planes right now. It's costing Boeing a ton of money because yes. they can't legally do it. That right. is the system working, and that is brave people that work in that particular uh, agency. They're putting their their careers on the line. Do you know, like, if, if you've ever read Vox, actually, Simone has a fascinating video about this, about how how um, companies like Boeing and other military, uh, you know, industrial companies kind of uh, engineer across both sides of the aisle getting yep. these massive weapons projects pushed through. And the way it works is they go, okay, Massachusetts, you're going to get X number of jobs. Mississippi, you're going to get X number of jobs and X number of money and everybody wins. It mm-hmm. builds consensus. So there's Boeing does the exact same thing. So there is so much pressure, I imagine, politically to just, eh, why don't you just look the other way? And the system is still standing up. And I, th- right. I think that's a real that's credit. The problem. I, yeah. I think that's the issue. And I think, I think what... You know, the the one, I guess, and it's not a benefit of the doubt, but I guess the one caveat I'll add here that I think made this the perfect storm on a lot of levels was, frankly, the name, the fact that they were using, and I don't think it was, in, in the, the more I read about this, the more I feel like it was unfair for them to call this a 737. I feel like this was, in many ways, a very different um, aircraft. Yeah. Um, but because it had that name and because it's been a plane that has literally been around for like 50 years or something, you know, um, it almost got them a, a pass. Uh, I think, for regulators to not take the technical changes as seriously and to not look into it um, yeah. as 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 much. Um, and hopefully, you know, this will never happen again because not only is there the loss of life, um, which is terrible and, and like genuinely terrible, but I mean, this is going to have massive repercussions across the entire airline industry. And like, 
I live in in Seattle where, you know, Boeing is, uh, you know, uh, you know, Boeing's in Renton and and like there's lots of jobs on the line. There's lots of big things on the line. You know, this yeah. is uh, it, it's already bad enough. You know, people, uh, you know, are, are scared enough for, for certain reasons about flying, even though it's historically been like one of the safest ways to travel. This is mm-hmm. one of those things. It's a real black mark uh, for a lot of different people and could have a lot of really serious repercussions. So I just think when we look at it, it's one thing with airplanes, but I, I, I try to think about, okay, what can we, I guess, think about as we start to see technology um, and especially more modern systems find our, find its way into our other forms of transportation that are much more common and which are much more frequently, you know, uh, there are much more frequent accidents and, and you know, collisions. Yeah, God, the irony at the end of the day is that every bit of transportation should be as regulated as the airplane industry. And yet, yeah. <laughs> Ah, hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's so much competition out there. Hrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools that you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. Uh, there's a lot of SEO. That is a huge mystery to me, even though I work on a website. Thank goodness I'm not in the analytics department, or I would probably need to do a lot of reading. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, there are all kinds of like dark magic. Well, it's not even dark magic because it's friggin' science, and Hrefs can teach you how to do these things um, using keywords to get your website ranked, uh, where to put those keywords, things like how many words have to be before a page break uh, to have them show up and be cataloged in search. How do you get the Google bugs to crawl your website? I don't know. You could learn. Hrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. Oh my god, I love estimated search volumes. It is so satisfying, actually, to just like plug in words and see like what little tweaks you could make that we wouldn't think would do that much, but they do change everything about how your website's visibility performs. Wow. You can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before, before, before you write it. Hrefs has a ton of useful stuff like Content Explorer, which can help you find guest blogging opportunities and Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up Thank God, broken backlinks and help you fix them. Backlinks, also really important for gaining SEO uh, dominance. Take the mystery out of SEO. Go to hrefs.com right now. That is A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert sales, go there now. Hrefs.com. Get that $7 trial. Thank you so much to Hrefs for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Hey, guess what? We're doing a, a tech topic for dessert. <laughs> what? So it, much hard news. It's dessert well, it's, for it, me. It's, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, this is Simone's like... This is this is your moment, Simone. Please tell us all about. I'm this. also Please sorry because on this. people were like terrorized and harassed. Uh, children were spied upon. Uh, basically, eh. Gizmodo and Vice, uh, motherboard at Vice, have done some wonderful investigations into the lack of security in Amazon's Ring cameras, which, as Gizmodo has reported, are creating a surveillance net across our beautiful nation. Thanks, Amazon. Sorry, I'm going to try to be less biased as I take it back. Let's take it back. (laughs) Creating a surveillance network across our country. That part was still good. Um, By buying a ring camera and experimenting with it as well as speaking uh, off the record, not off the record, but anonymously to hackers, Motherboard has uncovered that there are just so many basic security precautions that are not being taken with these cameras, such as double checking whether someone is logging in someone logging in from an unknown IP address is the user who owns the camera um notifying people when there are new logins to the camera providing a way to see how many users are currently logged on 
um, double checking. It doesn't double check uh, the user's password against known compromised credentials, uh, which is a practice that some companies do. There's no SMS verification. Uh, so what Motherboard did was they bought a ring camera. Um, the the reporter who bought it did like share his email address and password with his colleagues. And they logged in you know, in the same day. He's in the U.S. They logged in from the U.S., the U.K., Spain, and Singapore, and he received no notifications that this was happening. Um, and again, there was no way to really see that these logins were happening. Um, and the IP, the system doesn't check the IP address to see if it belongs to the owner of the dang camera. Now, what people can do when they log in to your ring camera is, of course, watch you in your home watch archival footage of you in your home, talk to you through the ring camera, <laughs> listen to you through the camera. They can see your address because you have to register your home's address with uh, the camera when you set it up. Uh, they can see the name of the Wi-Fi network. Woohoo! Uh, they can see nearby crime incidents, quote unquote, in the area. A lot of fun. Um, so obviously this is a great tool for burglars and I would heavily recommend it. Uh, you can check it out at ring.com. Use the code ROCKET to burgle a house near you anytime. Uh, now, take that back again. Sorry, I got a little biased again. <laughs> so as we were saying in the uh, Boeing segment, this is a case where a company ships a device that is super easy to use. You have it in your home. You can like make sure your home is secure by checking in on it throughout the day. You can make sure that your kids are safe because your baby is safe because you're watching it with the ring camera. But the basic precautions are not taken to help people keep safe. And Amazon's response to it, of course, is we should recommend, you know, that people take, you know, use powerful passwords and don't reuse passwords. That's very bad. But the data doesn't bear out that your typical user who wants a security camera in their home is going to be completely up to date on the most robust password practices. And also, it's your job. <laughs> it, you know, there is user responsibility. But the at the end of the day, I think I, as I have said, basic, basic software that could have been implemented to make the device more secure. Uh, it wasn't done. It just wasn't yeah. done. And and I want to point out like this this is I think particularly egregious with with Ring because people use them you know for for their doorbells and for kind of protecting their locks and things like that. But we there have been stories going on for years about people breaking into people's you know like baby cams and webcams and stuff like that that you know you they they buy you know from wherever you get those things. Like I went on the Today Show a number of years ago with Matt Lauer uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about yeah talking about the lack of security around you know nanny cams and the fact that you know people don't change the default passwords and that plenty of those things were really easily hackable and people you know we hear noises or we hear people kind of talking through them and find out that people could kind of you know like intercept those things and then see their kids sleeping which is like a creepy and terrible thing to think about but that was like a very common thing that that was happening and I'm sure still is happening and I think that with with ring it's even more disconcerting in some ways because um to me it's like they're selling it as a security system, which you expect, at least I expect, uh, an additional level of maybe like competence behind some of the, the engineering. And you're right to do that. If you're advertising a security system, it should not, in fact, make you less secure than you were before. Right. And then but but also, I mean, we're not even getting into like some of the latest scandals, which really makes me angry, which is that Ring basically creates their own weird next door type of thing. And if you're not familiar, Nextdoor is a really terrible uh, uh, community app where a bunch of, uh, you know, neighbors and busy buddy Karens mm -hmm. get together and talk about all the things <laughs> happening in their area. Ostensibly, it's wrong. about like crime prevention, yeah. but it's really not. It's really about, oh, did you see the person who looked like this? And there's usually a racial, you know, classist tinge to it, um, you know, in the area. It's 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 pretty gross. Anyway, they basically had their own version of um, Nextdoor, except it's even worse. Whereas unless you like explicitly opt out and do some things around it, like they can basically take all of your data, I guess, that's being recorded outside and like share it with your neighbors if there's a crime and then they give that crime 
that, that, that footage to law enforcement, which, wow, like, not okay. Like, oh, it's so- even worse than that, Christine. They're actually like, they're, they're working with police departments to yes. like, they, they form these alliances. My next door neighbor got robbed. And I was really amazed to have the cop come over and ask me if we had a ring camera on our house. I was, I was shocked to, to hear that. Um, yeah, I, you're dead on. There's, there's no legislation around this. There's very little, uh, oversight. And I actually, I had a lawyer that came to me the other day and was talking to me about a growing problem in, uh, criminal cases, asymmetrical legal warfare, where the, the government can go and they can subpoena and get all of this information and collect it mm-hmm. and put their best case forward. If you're just an ordinary person uh, being accused by a crime, you can't go like subpoena Google. You can't talk to Facebook. You can't get right. all this geolocation no, data but, in the but, same way. Right. But now you can get with very little um, oversight and without people even knowing what they're opting into, you can get, exactly. you know, video, uh, you know, footage, which may or may not, you know, be accurate that could implicate people or not. And it's like, I'm not saying I want, you know, people to get away with crimes. I'm saying I want like the Fourth Amendment to be, you know, maintained uh, and, and, and I want uh, proper systems to be in, in protection. So, yeah, I mean, in addition to the the massive security things, it's like they're also, you know, like selling the data or like openly giving the data to the cops, which like, come on, ring, don't be a narc. Like I would be, and you know, what's really bothersome to me too, is that especially with some of these security things, especially the fact that it could be recording, not just things that happen at your house, but somebody, you know, but your neighbors or whatnot. Right. Like I don't have like, okay, so I live in an apartment, so I'm not like, I'm not privy to this anyway, but let's say I lived in a house, right? I would choose not to have a ring because I'd be like, I'm not into this and I don't want this there. But if my neighbor has one, and they're capturing things that are happening around me and some of my activities. Mm-hmm. I'm not at. I'm not now. I'm now. I'm not in a position to be able like to be like, yo, no. I I don't want myself to be you know more unsafe. Um, and and also, I mean, like it, it's not explicitly spread out in, in either the motherboard or the Gizmodo piece. But you know, the whole point of these things is supposed to be security systems. Yet if you can hack into them that easily and you can monitor things, to me that seems like a pretty great way to start casing places for robberies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it, I know the argument could be made that, well, but you shouldn't be doing illegal things. So if the camera catches you doing illegal oh, things, please. blah, blah, blah. But I, there's a reason that surveillance state is a bad thing. Um, I, I don't think people have the freedom to commit crimes, but, you know, you can't constantly be under the watchful eye of a corporation who is going to sell your image to friggin' ICE or the police. Um, and I think that that power could certainly be misused. I'm sure there could be legitimate crimes that could be caught on camera. I'm sure there are also plenty of cases of that that power being wielded poorly. Um, I have an aunt who lives in a, a, a closed community up in Maine, and she's constantly telling me about like people who will, if they see you let your dog off the leash for three seconds while you're going in the door, somebody will scream at you out the window. And it is, you know, against the rules to have your dog off leash on that wharf. But also, you gotta understand it's it's such a ridiculous thing to hold someone accountable for. Also, if it's just like three seconds as they're going inside. Um, so I don't know. Do we want to live in a world of NIMBYs? No. Uh, no. And, and also, I mean, I mean, think about like, uh, the police, uh, have, um, uh, shown time and time again, not going after the right people, even when there's like video evidence of something. So if mm-hmm. it's something that fits their suspect, like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the whole Richard Jewell thing. Now I'm going to see the movie this week, but I just finished reading the book, The Suspect, Ooh. about the case. Well, I, I don't really, look, I, I, I'm not trying to defend, uh, Clint Eastwood, but I'm also going to say the Atlanta Journal Constitution is a trash newspaper, has always been a trash newspaper, with the exception of the, few years that they had an actual journalist run it who was then fired by the Cox family. Um, and uh, their reporters were trash reporters. Um, but like, you know, we have like lots of, um, uh, you know, evidence of many cases where, you know, police have footage that they use in incorrect ways to implicate people and to go after and attack people. So yeah, I, I like, I, I'm not, I look, I, I'm very much, but 
this is maybe unpopular for some of our listeners, but I'm very much in like the, I guess, like Clarence Darrow and kind of like some of the other type of, uh, I guess, legal scholars who are like, yeah, um, I it, I would rather, you know, like um, uh, a bunch of, you know, um, uh, guilty people go free than like an innocent person um, be locked up uh, yeah, incorrectly. I think that's fair. I think the bottom line is this is a it's a danger to the public. Yeah. I mean, as implemented, it's a danger to the public. It's a legal danger. It's a privacy danger. It needs to be regulated. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Burrow. The weather's getting chillier and the holidays are almost here. You might be looking forward to cozy nights inside or maybe holiday parties with friends. Whether you're, whatever you're up to this festive season, now is the time for a new burrow couch. The kind you can fit all of your friends on without breaking the darn thing, or the kind that you can sprawl on yourself in luxurious solitude. Kick off the new year right with burrow. You can customize it by picking your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. You can even add a chaise lounge, or ottoman, or both, uh, you know, it's been brought to my attention. I, I've i been thinking about this a lot because it is spelled chaise lounge here, but I know it's also chaise longue in French. And I don't know which is right, which is the truth. Are they both the truth? I thought it was chaise lounge, chaise lounge like. Well, chaise would be the French pronunciation. Maybe I'm not the right person for this. <laughs> but, but, but I was going to say, I, th- I, th- I thought that it was chaise. I thought that was like the, the, the you know, like English pronunciation. Chaise lounge or an ottoman or both. The burrow has unique features such as built-in USB chargers, which is so handy. Plus, they're made from a durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. Burrow sofas are easy to set up in just minutes and easy to move. You just pop your little legs off, take the darn thing apart, segment it, put it in a truck. I don't know. You can also add or remove seats as needed. Burrow's... Burrow's... uh, more than just sofas. Wow. Their genius sleep kit transforms your comfy sofa into an even comfier bed. That's new to me. Super handy if you ever have house guests and they've launched a collection of functional, affordable rugs and coffee tables. They have rugs now? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go look at the rugs. Hang on. No, I'm not. I'll do it later. Hey, listen, I it brought it was brought to my attention today on our WhatsApp chat that Brie thinks I got my burrow sofa for free because of this ad. <laughs> I didn't. I bought that thing. I did like a month of research. I made a spreadsheet of sofas. I bought the burrow sofa and then they started sponsoring us. And I was like, darn. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, damn it. I paid for this with my own money and you I liked it. could have used offer code ROCKET and gotten 10% off. At the end of the day, I don't regret my purchase because I do love my <laughs> sofa. I'm just saying the timing was really ironic. You can get $75 off a new sofa and free one week shipping at burrow.com slash rocket. That's B-U-R-R-O-W burrow.com slash rocket for $75 off a new sofa. Thank you so much, Burrow, for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Brianna, what are you doing this week? I am recovering. I am recovering. Oh. I feel like garbage. I'm going to get well. I hope you do. I'm so sorry you're sick again. No, it's fine. I got to tell you guys, I have been playing a ton of Modern Warfare. I've never (laughs) really gotten into Modern Warfare before. (laughs) This game is so awesome. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yes. Oh, the burrow rugs are really nice. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Christina, what are you? I was looking at them, too. I, I, yeah, I'm, I assume I'm looking at the borough rugs right now and I'm like, ooh, I like this. Um, I am Shoot. in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, as I said at the top of the show, visiting my parents, which is nice. And, um, okay, I'm, okay, I'm doing something kind of weird. So my friend, his parents have like this, like really trashy, like drunken Irish Christmas party and oh. they live in the DC area. And so, I'm just flying to DC on Saturday and then flying back Sunday morning. Cause oh why my not? God. Um, because uh, he has a bunch of um, American Airlines miles. Otherwise, I would not fly American Airlines, but he is like, uh, you know, like concierge key or whatever. Like he has like the top status. So he was like, I'll just get you miles and come uh, go to my parents' party. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. That's do that. funny. So, so why not? Like, that's so you. 
it, it totally is, right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to a wedding uh, in two weeks for a New Year's Eve, but um, I, uh, yeah, so I'm going, I'm going to DC for a holiday party, and I'm chilling with my parents, and I'm enjoying the trappings of suburban life, which I've, uh, I've missed, sort of. So, uh, but, but actually, I'm really having a good time uh, seeing my family. Aw, yay! Uh, this week, I'm going to be flying back to Washington. But I'll be able to record Rocket next week because now I have my handy dandy go mic. I'm so happy that it finally came Yay. to this. Um, I am, of course, looking forward to seeing cats. Yes, me too. I've heard Film amazing things. I, I, I've heard amazing things. And by amazing, there's like an asterisk there for sure. Um, I, I'm, I, I, I think I'm more excited about cats than I am about Star Wars. Honestly, I am too. I'm kind of upset about it. I, I think I might hate watch it, but I don't know. I, I, it depends I on how bad you. the reviews are. You are yes. valid. No, well, no, no, no. MTV I mean, is recording first cats. cats reactions. Call it horny and bewildering, just like me. So uh, <laughs> um, my, my friend said that it looked like they just like ran out of time doing the special effects and just like stopped. Like there was a certain point they just like it was like, you know, you know, like you're a student and you're like mm-hmm. doing your work and like the teacher calls time. and You got to turn in what you got. That's amazing. Um, also, I have to end the podcast because I have to text my friends who were at screenings tonight. Um, I got to go. So, hey, Christina, where can I find you online? Uh, you can find me at Cat's Lover. No, I'm kidding. You can find me at, at You can find me at, at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And uh, you can find the videos that I do at work at YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Brianna? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brianna Wu. And if you want to support my congressional campaign, you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. And you can find me online on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at youtube.com slash polygon, um, where we have awesome videos about video games going up every week. Thank you so much for listening to Rocket. If you liked it, please do remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, tell a friend about it as well. We really appreciate people who do that. Thank you so much for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.